Before we get started on today's show, it feels like just yesterday at the Denver Nuggets were right there in the Western Conference. But since then, we've introduced a new class of professional basketball players through the draft and seen a few marquee names switch teams. Luckily for us sports fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is here to kick off the 2021 basketball season with a no-brainer for all customers, new and existing. If you haven't tried DraftKings Sportsbook yet, head to the App Store now because you don't want to miss this. To celebrate the return of basketball, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving you a 75-point spread on the team of your choice on opening night. This is true. The Denver Nuggets, you, so if you, it's the Denver Nuggets, I'm sure for everybody listening here, it's the Nuggets. A 75-point spread. All you have to do is bet on any opening night game, and if your team just doesn't lose by 75 points, you will double your money. This is a heck of a deal. I'm telling you, DraftKings does these deals where it's like, okay, they're just handing you money. Just take it. I mean, Nuggets aren't going to lose by 75. Um, this Saturday, there'll be an endless amount of action to get in on, so don't wait. Head to the app now. DraftKings is safe. It's reliable and secure. It makes it easy to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code DNVR when you sign up to get a 75-point spread on opening night for a shot to double your money. That's code DNVR. Double your money. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. What is up, everybody? And welcome into the DNVR Nuggets podcast. Notebook edition, the first notebook edition of the 2021 season. Well, I guess it's of the preseason, not technically of the season, of the preseason. Went back and rewatched the game, and I got some notes for you that I can't wait to share. If you're new to the show, my name's Adam Matez. I am the uh, the host of these notebook episodes. We do, uh, you know, obviously, you're, if you're, you're new to this, you're used to listening to the panel. Myself, Eric, Brendan Vogt, Harrison Wind. We break it down, Duvalier Johnson after games. We break it down um, for you, chop it up, do a bunch of different topics, play some different games. But following... Nuggets games, uh, more often than not, not always, but more often than not, uh, I will do solo pods the following day after I've had a chance to rewatch the game, get into the details, and then share some of those detailed notes with you. So I want to do that because obviously this being the first game um, uh, of the preseason, there was a lot to get to uh, and a lot more details and things to, to kind of digest. But before we do, I want to tell you if you are, you know, if you're just listening to this podcast for free, you know, you're going to get obviously a lot of great content. We do a lot of cool stuff. If you become a DNVR member for $5 a month, you get access to the list, which is a series I write all season long. The things I'm going to talk about on this podcast, I give video evidence for them. I go back, I cut clips up. So some of the things I'm I'm talking to you about, you can hear them. You probably recognize them, this or that. But if you want to see the play broken down with me, sort of talking about them and uh, as the as the video plays, uh, you can become a DNVR member. And again, more often than not, the, the list will be up after games. Um, you also don't want to miss out our player preview series, which is rolling out today. RJ Hampton, um, and I got a couple RJ Hampton notes today. So I want to start here. Um, with the starters, obviously we're going to go in chronological order. These notes, you know, there'll be a couple like themes, you know, through these notes, but for the most part, I just go in chronological order and kind of tell you things as I, as I jot them down, as I'm rewatching. Um, the first note I have in here is that teams are still going under the screen on Gary Harris, both for handoffs and on pin downs and not every time, but more often than not, they did this a lot last year. They've done it for the last two years. And one of the reasons for that, you know, Gary Harris going to his right hand, Prior to last season, 
was pretty much automatic. He gets going downhill. He jumps off that left foot. He gets, he's got those big giant hands. He puts the ball in his right hand. He goes off his left foot going right. And he could be really, you know, he's dynamic. He gets above the rim and he finishes. Well, to combat that, teams have now said, okay, we're more afraid of you turning the corner on a pin down or a handoff or a pick and roll than we are of you sort of catching and getting an open look. So teams will go under that. And early in this game, teams did that. And Gary, I thought, shot the ball with confidence, had great footwork. If, if a player goes under on a pin down, so if I can kind of drop this picture again, this is on the list. So if you want to see the video of this play, you can go to thednvr.com. But you, you imagine Jokic sets a pin down for Gary Harris on the left side of the court. He's in the corner. He's coming up towards the wing. The defender, rather than chase him around that screen, just goes wide under, basically to the free throw line. So Gary Harris stops and sort of flares out to the wing so that he creates the most amount of distance, has perfect footwork, perfect form, but just missed the shot. So it's a re the reason I bring it up is Gary Harris, I thought, looked very confident and assertive and aggressive in this game. And he didn't. It didn't necessarily translate into you know a bunch of made buckets. Although I think he finished five of eleven, but early on he was missing a lot of those shots. If he makes those, it completely changes Denver's offense because if he you know if you're going to go under a screen and give a guy wide open looks, you get those wide open looks and knock them down. Teams have to start playing you over. I thought Gary just from a technical standpoint he did everything right, but finish. Um, Michael Porter Jr. He. Uh, had a defensive play. I he's the one player that who most when I watched it live, I thought, okay, this was a bad game. When I went back and rewatched it, I thought, okay, it wasn't that bad. Um, you know, it, it was better. There was bit more good signs than what I originally thought. One play defensively, so he's going up against Kelly Oubre Jr., who I think was in a lot of ways a sneaky, like great matchup for him on this first one. Kelly Oubre, a, a really good defender, um, has some length, kind of similar body type, so he's a little bit shorter, but you know, just skinny, long, um, and was a guy that sort of I thought provided a good sort of baseline test for MPJ. And offensively, he gives MPJ a crossover, gets him beat, gets him out of position. But this is where MPJ is so promising, so athletic, so long, so tall that even though he got crossed over, he still blocked his shot and blocked him out of bounds. It's one of those plays that shows you that MPJ can look bad on defense and still make good defensive plays because of just his natural gifts. Early on, we get uh, the best play of the entire game, probably, or one of the, maybe not the best play, but one of the most encouraging plays. You get uh, a Jokic-Murray-MPJ-3. Like, so you get MP, or Jamal Murray cutting back door. Jokic hits him. Murray goes to the basket. Probably had a layup, but instead decides to kick out to MPJ for a wide-open three. And it was one of those plays that just gets you so excited because it's that Murray-Jokic two-man game that led to a Michael Porter three. And that's ideally, I think that's, that's what this season would be all about. The Murray-Jokic game being the start, MPJ involving himself as part of the finish and it happened so early it was one of those moments where you kind of pump your fist it looked even better on rewatch because mpj just always he's always ready to shoot like if you kick out to him he's he's he never is like not thinking about the ball coming back to him he's always prepared for that Jokic had that outlet outlet early on in the game which we didn't even talk about on on the post game show the other night from the bar but that outlet was incredible. He's running the Jokic sees the uh, the release valve. I believe it's Gary Harris. Yeah, it's Gary Harris. He sees the release valve early, and while he's running away, like towards out of bounds, he just doesn't even look. He turns and then just heaves the ball perfectly on the money. It's one of those plays where when you watch it live, you're like, holy heck, that was that was impressive. Then when you go back and watch the replay, you're like, oh wow, that was even more impressive than I thought. That was a, I mean, early entry for pass of the year. Um, the plays that involve Denver's big three, Jokic, Murray, and Porter, are so juicy. 
I've tied if you're if you followed the show for a while and you've read the list, you know that one of the plays that is like a staple of the the bit of all three guys, Jokic, Murray, and Porter all being involved, is is that C corner play, which is like a, a extremely common play. There's a lot of different actions out of it, and in fact, it is at its best a a a set that you don't really call a play out of. It's just you read and react to the defense. And early on, you'll remember this play because Kelly Oubre actually blocked. It ends with Kelly Oubre blocking Michael Porter, just making a phenomenal defensive play. But the way it works is Jokic is bringing the ball up the court. He's kind of shaded to the right side, basically the right wing. You get Murray who sets a a screen. It's actually called a, a snap screen, but it's like a pin down for MPJ to curl. That's the first action on, on, on the C corner. And Murray, because the defense is ready for it, Murray slips the screen, meaning he backdoor cuts. It looks like he's going to set a screen in the corner. He slips to the basket. His defender is forced to follow him. And so MPJ now is you typically would run up and receive a handoff from Jokic. But instead, he also backdoors. So you get a double backdoor cut, and it works perfectly. Jokic probably could have hit Murray on the first one. The defense drags so far in both directions, both overplaying Murray and overplaying MPJ that MPJ is able to do a second backdoor. Jokic hits him in stride, gets him right at the rim. But like I said, Kelly Oubre, who's a very good defender, makes an A-plus defensive effort. But it's one of those plays where it's like when you can successfully involve – and they only ran this, I believe, two times, maybe, maybe actually only one time with those three guys. But it's one of those things where you're reminded, if you can put floor spacers on the other side, so you got Gary Harris and, and – Paul Millsap on, you know, spacing the court on the weak side. And then you run that action with those three guys who all read cuts so well. And, and obviously Jokic and Murray have such great chemistry. I think even Jokic and MPJ have chemistry on this type of action. But when you run those three guys together, it's just, it's so beautiful. I'm telling you, we didn't see enough of it in the first preseason game. I really hope we see more of it in game two, because when those three guys are, are just in the action, it's like the potential is endless. Um, they also let Gary Harris initiate the offense early, um, which I thought was interesting. There was a play specifically where everybody basically cleared out and allowed uh, Gary Harris and Paul Millsap to run pick and roll. And what's interesting about this is if you talk about the starters, you know, and, and Gary Harris is in there. One thing, Gary Harris is not a bad ball handler. He's not a good one. He's not like your lead ball handler. He's probably not even your secondary ball handler. But if you just, but he is capable of running some like basic, you know, basic reads or whatever and if you put murray in one corner as this play specifically had and you have michael porter in the other corner well that's your team's two best shooters in each corner so automatically you're dealing with great spacing and then you have Jokic up at the top of the key basically and then you run a side pick and roll with Millsap and gary that's a plus spacing i mean you really can't get better spacing than that your rim protectors are all outside you've got two great shooters um, and Gary made a great move. He did a, a, this one. I don't think is on the list, but he, he attacked the defender's feet really, really well. Euro steps into the basket and then shoots an air ball. So it was like it was one of those plays. This is what, Gary, the the story of the day for me with Gary was he did so many things that are encouraging and didn't finish any of them. Um, so I don't know if that should be encouraging or discouraging, but I, for me at least. You know, it's encouraging that they allowed Gary to sort of initiate the offense there. It stood out. It was one of the plays that stood out to me uh, live, and it really stood out on, on rewatch. And it makes me wonder if they're going to, early in the season especially, just force-feed Gary Harris initiating the offense to say, hey, let's see if we can establish his confidence again and, and get him going. So saw it a couple times, but that was the most loud and obvious one. Um, and then Michael Porter Jr.'s cutting is just so good. Like, you know – in the playoffs, I thought it went away, and I think that was more of a function of him just not being a part of the offense and like 
you know, maybe being nervous to disrupt things and the team not trusting him and all of those things. But when you watch him in this game, just kind of playing free flowing, he he makes so many like A plus cuts, well timed cuts. I've talked about this a lot on the list last season, but so much of a good cut is, you know, it's not the angle or what the cut happens. It's like, did you pick the exact right moment when the defense is forced to be in that position where defensive assignments change? And Michael Porter just seems to have a nose for this, like just a knack for, okay, wait, wait, wait. Now this defensive assignments change right now cut because in addition for the defense deciding like now I'm in help, now I'm not, then you add a cutter and everything changes again. And he just, he's so... I think he's a plus at this. And a lot of this I think is, you know, obviously he's been coached up to it and it's something he's been practicing, but I think the good players, it's just about feel. You kind of feel the rhythm of the court and he does that extremely well, which is funny because, you know, in so many other aspects of the game, he's still trying to think and figure it out. But that one skill, just win the timing of cuts. He is absolutely elite at. Take a break to tell you about Breckenridge Brewery, the official beer of DMVR. If you're like me, I'm sh- you have a family, you got young kids, I'm sure you're looking for some fun outdoor activities during the shutdown here in Denver. And look no further. Breck has set up an awesome skating rink outside of the farmhouse. It's only $3 to skate with your own skates or $6 if you want to rent. Uh, they also have an awesome tubing hill that is currently free. Capital F free. So parents, enjoy beers and delicious food in a cozy outdoor setup. And let the kids enjoy some winter wonderland fun. Skating rinks are great, man. It's like such a, it's almost Christmas. It's like the most Christmas thing you can do. And then remember, supporting our partners is supporting us during this crazy times. You can get the RK Special, I think horribly named RK Special. You got the uh, Broncos Country Beer and Palisade Peach. Um, You got all kinds of, you guys know, Avalanche Ale. You got the Colorado Core, Hot Peak IPA, Strawberry Sky, Vanilla Porter Jr., you got all kinds of different things, so check it out. And if you want to find out, if you don't know where Breck Brew is, maybe you're not in Denver, maybe you're not in Colorado, and you think, okay, does any liquor store nearby carry Breck Brew? Well, just heck on over to the Breck Brew locator, and you can find out if there is a restaurant, a, a liquor store, whatever, nearby you, uh, and you can go pick them up. And if you do, you know, tag us on social. Let us know what you think of them. Let, them, let us know what your favorite is. Uh, we always like to hear from people that have gone and checked them out. Also want to tell you about WGT. That's World Golf Tour. WGT Golf. Uh, the golf app that allows you to play real courses like Pebble Beach, uh, Edgewood Tahoe. We just had the ball is popping open and I regret to inform you. I did not even complete my own round. I know this is so shameful. I can't believe I'm doing this. WGT Golf is the, not, is the most popular golf game in the world. It's also the official gaming partner of DMVR become so popular with our members basically like a thing we all do collectively now so if you want to get in on the action download it to your uh to your phone and join our country club there's a little country club icon there you click on it and then you search for dnvr4 that's our fourth country club we basically have dnvr one two three or four dnvr4 filling up fast so join that one and then you can participate in our weekly tournaments i'm not sure what our week tournament is going to be this week um since it's only sunday but Every week we have tournaments and we have prize giveaways for people that participate in them. So check it out. WGT Golf. Download it to your phone. Play. It's a lot of fun. It's a little addicting if I have to be honest with you. So be careful. It's going to be a little addicting for you. All right. Back here on the uh, DNVR Nuggets podcast. So one thing that stood out to me was Hartenstein, who I thought was good, not great in this one, but you know, I'd heard about him maybe having some passing chops and some of his numbers, you know, looking like there was something there. 
He reads the court a little bit slower than I would have anticipated given that sort of intel that I was fed. He missed, there was a bunch of opportunities for these kickouts, um, quick swings or kickouts to the corner in particular off of the roll. You know, if you're a big up top and you roll to the basket, especially with what's called a single side tag, meaning there's only one player on the weak side. So you have a shooter in the corner and then his guy has to rotate over. That read is not a very difficult one because if you catch it on the roll and the guy doesn't rotate, okay, you attack the basket hard. If you uh, catch it on the roll and he has sprinted over, basically either try to take a charge or contest at the rim, well, you know, okay, that means the guy in the corner is wide open. It's this fairly medium read for a big guy. For like a wing player or a guard, it's a it's an e super easy read. For a big guy, you would think, okay, good passers can make that one consist, you know, fairly consistency, bad ones can't. Well, he missed that one, I think, three out of three times in this game, um, all with sort of barreling to the rim. Now, he gets fouled and goes to the basket on one of them. I think another one, Denver offensive rebounds and scores it. So, like, the outcome of these plays ends up being a positive. But ideally, you would want that guy to be able to make that read because of outside of getting to the foul line or finishing with a dunk or at the rim, getting a, a wide-open corner three is a really important play. And Denver was set up to get a couple of those and instead kind of got worse shots that just happened to turn out to be better. Um, but it's something I'm keeping my eye on because if he can make that read, you know, if he is a good passer, um, that certainly opens things up for that second unit. That second unit, by the way, just so extremely out of sorts. Um, bad offense led to fast breaks. A lot of their, you know, watching it live, I thought, okay, well, can this team defend? That was a big question. Compasso and, and you got Monte Morris are so little. Maybe that's going to be, you know, a damning thing. They're too small. But I don't know that we can say that off of what we saw because so much of what happened was bad offense leading to just terrible transition. I mean, like, you know, just getting murdered in transition. So um, it was, they were just out of sorts. That first stint was an F minus stint from the second unit. It was, it clearly, and I don't hold it against them. These guys literally met each other. I, I'm not sure that they all know each other's names right now. Um, that's how new they are to each other, but it looked very much like a team that just got together and hadn't sorted anything out. And it got extremely sloppy in the second, so it started with that second unit, but it continued with the starters. Once the, So the starters, I thought, had a good stint to begin the game. Um, the bench unit comes in, played horrible, falls really far behind, and then the, sec and then the starters came back in, and they played horrible and looked out of sorts. Um, they were stuck in the mud in the half court, and this is another thing about Denver. Getting the ball popping... It's so much about connection and about like trust and momentum. And the more Denver has possessions where everybody touches the ball and it finishes in a score, it's like every time you do that once, doing it the second time in a row becomes a little bit easier. And if you do it a second time in a row, the third time's even easier than that. And if you get four, five, six times in a row, you're just in flow. You're in a rhythm where everybody's trusting each other, everybody's having fun, and it, it, the possessions become easier. The flip side is, if you have a possession where nobody touches the ball, even if it's a good shot and it doesn't go in, coming back down the court, it seems to get easier to take a quick shot the next time and harder to really work the ball and trust each other. And there was, I thought the end of the first half, there were so many possessions in a row where, you know, Michael Porter takes a quick shot. I don't think it's a bad thing. Like he had, a, he had, when I went back and looked at Michael Porter's shot, there was only one or two that I thought were like not great. But Michael Porter's role on this team is to create a lot of gravity by being a threat at all times. So he takes a quick three and it wasn't a bad three, but the moment that it came in was after Denver had not scored for like five straight possessions. And then he takes a quick three. That's one of those ones where you got to make it. You got to kind of feel the game. And if you don't, the game can kind of get away for you. So he takes a quick shot. Gary Harris gets the ball, triples it up. Nobody kind of guards him. He takes a quick 
shot, a zero pass shot. Okay, now you're at seven possessions in a row where Denver hadn't scored. And I just felt like that was the story of that second quarter. It wasn't necessarily that guys were taking shots that, you know, in a vacuum you would say were bad shots, but they were shots that when you had been on a cold spell and you take a shot that nobody touches it, if it doesn't go in, it makes the cold spell even colder. And I just thought that's what happened with Denver is they had a lot of possessions where it was quick and there were no, there was nobody there that can kind of slow things down. And it created a little bit of, I don't want to say tension as in guys getting upset with each other or anything like that, but it created the tension as in we're not getting anything right now. Like we're not creating anything. Sometimes, you know, if you take a wide open zero pass shot and it misses, that feels worse than if you have like an eight pass shot, and you miss a wide open shot like that, that even though it's the same outcome, one feels worse than the other. And I thought Denver had a lot of those. That's going to be a trick with Denver this year. Murray should have a green light at all times. Michael Porter eventually should get to a point where he has a green light at all times, but he probably is not there right now because he is in a moment in which he is trying to earn his teammates' trust. And to do so, you probably need to restrict yourself a little bit. And I think, by the way, that Michael Porter is trying very hard to do just that. I I think Michael Porter is by nature a gunner. And let's be honest, he's one of the best scorers. Like, he's so talented at it that he can... It serves him well, but I think he's in the process of trying to earn his teammates' trust, and um, it's, just, it's, it's a really delicate balance, man. It's a really delicate balance. One thing he still does defensively is he still dies on screens. There was a really big example of this um, in that second quarter where he gets somebody sets a pin down basically on him, and he just dies on it, and it, it turns out to be, I think, a Wiggins wide-open free-throw line jumper. And then I mentioned this earlier, but Gary Harris, you have to be impressed with how hard he was attacking the basket. He he went pretty fearlessly at the rim several times. It just it wasn't working out. So again, file this one away for both encouraging and discouraging, and let's see which way it breaks. If he keeps going at the rim in game two of the preseason but starts finishing, you think, okay, well, there it is. Like These things even out. If he keeps going over the next several games but it's always the same result and some of these misses were really bad, and you got to put that one in the bin as well and say, okay, a little bit nervous about that. I think Jokic, though, to get back to Michael Porter, this is another note I have on here because there's one play, and this is on the list, and this alone is worth subscribing and checking out the list because this is the stuff that concerns me. I talked to a scout over the summer. I got a buddy, actually, who is uh, – he's actually not a scout. He's an assistant coach um, who played – he was a point guard of mine in college. And he uh, – he now so now he's an assistant coach and when I was asking him about Michael Porter he's like look man the kid's really talented but boy does Jokic sure seem like he hates him and he doesn't know Jokic he doesn't know Nuggets he's for another team he's just saying yeah but when I watch film or when I'm watching him it just looks like Jokic dies inside sometimes with some of the and he's talking about last year not this year uh, with some of the shots Michael Porter plays or takes this is on both players like Michael Porter has a lot of learning to do about basketball and he needs to look at Jokic and Murray as his superiors which they are and he needs to sort of like you know, he what they and really try to earn their respect and do things, you know, even if it doesn't make sense to him. But the flip side of that is that Jokic, if he's not going to be more of a vocal leader, and I think he gets better every year, but he's still not, you know, Tim Duncan. But if he's going to become, if he's not going to become that guy, he really has to be cognizant of his body language. And Jokic is like, his nonverbals are very loud, whether it's talking to officials or, you know, whatever. Like, you you can almost always tell what he's thinking. And Jokic, in this game, there's one shot in particular, Michael Porter takes it. It's a bad shot. Jokic was 9 of 11, and he was posting up on the right block, which is, like, he loves to post up. And he has a, I think he had Chris on him, which is, like, barbecue chicken. And Michael Porter elected instead to drive and take this, like, mid-range pull-up jumpshot 
sure that he missed. And Jokic, you could just see how pissed he was. Now, he had a right to be pissed. That was, to me, one of two bad shots that Michael Porter took in this game. And really, it was like one and a half bad shots. This one was bad. The other one was like, whatever, I'll live with it. But he takes this shot, and you could just see Jokic be so frustrated with him. And I just think he needs to work on that. Like, he needs to coach up Michael Porter. He needs to, like, let him know what, what's good and what's bad in a way that's not like, I'm just pissed at you. And I think that's really, really hard because Jokic is such an emotional player. Um, Zeke Nagy and four point guards. That was a wild lineup combination. It was kind of fun. Um, I don't think that was by like you know denver oh we want to see what this looks like i think it was more we want to get zeke in in the game we want to get um uh rj hampton in the game and so it just naturally wound up being four point guards i mean i'm counting rj hampton as a point guard here even though he's more of a combo guard um but you basically get compazzo rj hampton uh pj dozier and monte morris on the court with zeke naji who's a power forward so this is this really is the mini lads lineup i mean people ask what is the mini lads well if you put four guard like true guards none of those guys are like you know like will barton even is like a little bit of a wing but none of those guys you put four straight up guards out on the court and then one non-traditional center meaning not Jokic, basically or hartenstein then yeah that's the mini lad so naji biggest guy on the court and it worked man it was fun it was actually kind of a fun lineup naji being able to stretch the court and knock down the jumper as was evidenced by his you know he knocks down a three knocks down a couple jumpers gets to the free throw line um you know it was it was pretty wild um so i kind of liked it i hope we see a little bit more maybe not all four point guards but i do hope we see lineups that maybe feature michael porter at the four and three guards or something like that because i just think it can be really fun uh, especially in the regular season, I think you can run a lot of teams off the court and really open things up offensively. And then Compazzo's footwork, this is on the list, but he had a, a three-pointer that was pretty impressive. I have no idea if this was luck or what. It came in, in the clutch, but driving right, defense goes under a screen, and he steps backwards and to the right. So he's driving to his right, he steps backwards and almost kind of skips to his right, plants his right foot and then his left foot. He's a right-handed shooter. Generally speaking, the most comfortable way to... to step into your shot is either on the hop or on the left right one two well he basically goes right left with the left foot behind his body drains it and it's i mean if you if you're a shooter if you go to your gym just try that stepping sideways and backwards step right left and then shoot it with your left foot a little bit behind really really tough footwork and he just rinses it so i thought that play to me really stood out because i was like oh man that's a high level footwork play if he's able to replicate it Want to take a second to tell you about the presenting sponsor of today's show, Green Mountain Dental Group. We've had several DMVR listeners switch over to Green Mountain Dental Group over the years and make their permanent family dentist. Those listeners have reached out and let us know that it's a great experience and they thank us for leading them to them. We want to hear from you as well. If you don't have a dentist, I highly recommend it. You're an adult now. Maybe you've been an adult for a long time. It's time to take care of your, your, uh, your teeth. All of your health starts at your teeth. Your heart health starts with your teeth. So make sure that you're taking care of them and you're not letting any like lingering issues sort of build up over time. I'm telling you right now, I've been a, I'm a, I'm a diehard dentist goer. I know that sounds weird to say, but I'm telling you, I get excited to go to the dentist because I always feel healthier coming out of there. And there's nothing more rewarding than hearing from our listeners about a recommendation we made that they appreciate. So check out Green Mountain Dental Group in Lakewood. They're the best damn family-owned dentist in the metro area. You guys know me. 
I'm all about Colorado local owned. I'm all about family owned. That's why Green Mountain Dental uh, gets my stamp of approval. Our sales director, Lindsay, had her wisdom teeth there like six months ago. I had them removed six months ago. Said it was a great, uh, a phenomenal A-plus experience. If you're gonna have to get your wisdom teeth removed, that sucks. So for her to say it was an A-plus experience, that really means something. And then what's great about them, schedule a cleaning x-ray and exam and you receive the free Sonicare toothbrush. So check that out today. You get a free Sonicare toothbrush with a with an exam. Then of course, speaking of local, Strava Craft Coffee is local. If you're in the area, well actually right now, you can subscribe for uh, and get the Strava Craft delivered straight to your door every single month. Don't have to leave your house. You know, you don't even have to remember. It's just going to keep coming to you. Uh, with the Strava Craft Coffee subscription, and what's great is when you subscribe, you use that subscription, you actually save 20%. So if you're one of these people that orders Strava Craft or goes to the store and picks it up every month, just get on the subscription plan. It comes directly to you. You can budget for it. You know exactly when you need coffee. You can, you know, you keep up with exactly how much you drink. So you know when you need a new one and you save 20% off. A lot of people have taken advantage of this. If you don't know, CB, uh, Strava Craft Coffee is the Colorado local company, CBD infused coffee that helps you with uh, back pain, my migraines, uh, you know, joint aches, whatever it is. CBD is like a wonder drug. And it's right inside of your uh, coffee. It doesn't give you a high or anything like that. It's just, it, it, I mean, it's coffee, so it gives you a little bit of a buzz. It tastes fantastic, and it's got that CBD extra for you. So don't forget. And if you are just ordering a one-off, if you want to try it out, use promo code DNVR20. You get 20% off that order when you use the promo code DNVR20. Final segment here on the DNVR Nuggets podcast, a mini segment here. It's actually a little bit shorter than usual. These notebook episodes usually will be shorter than uh you know post game shows and, and our, our typical shows but my one of my big takeaways especially on rewatch especially as i kind of reflect on this team and, and kind of you know so many things happen in the off season the off season's for speculating it's for all this different stuff but as you watch and as you get closer to the season one thing that's becoming more clear is that i think this team is being built around i mean this sounds silly because it's, you know this intuitively but watching the game it really started to pop out this team is designed to be around Jokic, more and more so. And I think that Jokic is in, is in line for a fantastic year. We've talked about this. He looks so slender. He looks so motivated. He looks this or that. But I think that the pieces that are added, Facundo Campazzo, who I think actually might end up playing more and more with Jokic going forward. I mean, there's just there, there's something there. Um, you know, Michael Porter even spacing the floor. You got guys like Zeke Naji and RJ Hampton out there. I don't think it's going to happen overnight. Obviously, those guys are all long-term pieces, including Michael Porter. Um, you know, it's not all going to come together, I don't think, this season. Although, if it does, that would be great. But you watch them and you go, man, these guys really have a chance to, like, accentuate what Jokic does with him at the heart of it and, um, and just kind of be pieces that he works around. On the offensive end, defensively, we have yet to see. I still think they're going to need some guys that, um, you know, I, I don't know if they found all their final pieces defensively. But as I'm watching this game play, you got compose, uh, composure. You got PJ Dozier playing the th you know the third point guard basically alongside Jokic. Um, you know, there's just so much space. I mean, it it wasn't a coincidence that Jokic is finding himself right around the basket so often with nobody on him. Denver's offense and the, and the the personnel that they were able to roll out there is designed for. Jokic to be able to just put people uh, when they're when the Nuggets are on offense to really put the defense in a blender and um, you know it's preseason defensive rotations aren't quite dialed in yet but as I'm watching this game a second time I'm watching it going like man Jokic is just in his comfort zone right now isn't he and it's no coincidence that I've heard you know some of the reports out of camp are that the vibe is so good and that Jokic is 
you know, there's none of those October blues or November blues that he's he's feeling great. Maybe this is just on him and there's nothing else to it. But maybe it's that, you know, playing with this group of guys, it's the exact type of guys that he enjoys playing with so much. And um, there's opportunity for the ball to get popping. I'm not saying that it's going to get popping like we saw it back in 2016 when everything was was so brand new. Um, but I do think that Jokic just has so many weapons at his disposal that you feel a little bit like, you know, Peyton Manning when you give him, you know, slot receiver, deep receiver, couple tight, you know, like you give him a bunch of weapons. It's like, where's he going to go with it? He has so many things. Um, I feel like Jokic kind of has that at his disposal. I think he knows that. Um, so rewatching this game, that was just one of the things that stood out to me. We're going to be back on Tuesday with our regular time, 2 o'clock p.m. Live on YouTube. Live on Periscope, although we recommend you watch it on YouTube. And in the meantime, you can catch up on all of our series, the Player Profile series. We got Michael Porter up. We got Paul Millsap, Will Barton, Gary Harris up, uh, Vladko Chanchar up. Coming up on Monday, we're going to have RJ Hampton up. And then Tuesday, we're rolling out uh, two a day for the rest, all the way up until the season starts. So you're going to want to subscribe on YouTube. Half of those are free. The other half goes behind the paywall. But thanks for tuning in, everybody. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast also on iTunes. Like I said, some most of the time we're going to be live, but Notebook episodes will not be live, and you don't want to miss out on those. So check it out on uh, iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Adios! MSU Denver Online. Now is the time to apply. Register for classes. Spring semester starts January 19th. That's coming up about one month away. Time and time again, the one thing that will protect you against economic downturn is an education that allows you to adapt into varying careers. Go and build your toolbox at MSU. MSU Denver puts a dynamic education at your fingertips without forcing you to decide between earning a degree and living your life. You can do both. In fact, the older you get in life, the more you realize, man, you have to multitask. You, you got to work on the future and the present at the same time. MSU Denver is the Colorado institution providing rigorous and affordable online programs taught by professors who bring the real world into the classroom. MSU Denver graduates use their relevant degrees to land coveted jobs. Some of our very own staff members have done that. You know, We're awarded an opportunity to do that, and they can attest to it. So check it out. MSU Denver online.